Right at the beginning of Galatians, Paul sets out his testimony as evidence of the truth of the gospel of Jesus, and it's the same with us as disciples. The gospel of Jesus is true, and our testimony of life is part of the evidence which illustrates that it's true. As Jesus says in Matthew 6, by their fruit you will recognise them. In this Playmakers podcast series, we talk about the message of Galatians with real people and think about how this gospel of Jesus has transformed, underpinned and built the lives of men and women of God. These are not the testimonies of people from far away, but people who sit next to us at CCBS on Sundays and in small groups. Real people who show that Jesus is Lord in their daily lives. In this episode of the Playmakers podcast, we're going to talk about freedom in the spirit in the face of anxiety and fear. We're going to talk to Rowan and John. They're wonderful people involved in the church life, and they also own and run their own business. They're going to share about their challenges to their livelihood um, and to their faith in these times of recession and COVID. We really hope you enjoy the show as much as we enjoyed recording it. Hello and welcome to the Galatians Playmakers podcast. I am your host, Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nigel. Nigel, good to see you again. Hello, Matt. You nice look, to see you. You look fantastic as ever. It's and been a you couple look of... radiant. Oh, great. It's going to be one of those uh, those episodes, is it? We're going to try and outdo each other with compliments. Um, it's not just us, thankfully, um, uh, listeners. Uh, we've also got a couple of guests with us in the studio today. We're joined by Rowan and John. Hello. Hello. Nice Hello. to be here. So I've just introduced you, but would you like to introduce yourselves properly? My name's Rowan Lloyd and I am really interested in people and anything to do with colours. Wow. OK, yeah, I think that's the most interesting thing that we've heard from anyone, any of our guests uh, in terms of that question, not in terms of the content. What about yourself, John? Tell uh, us about you. Hello, I'm John. Um, I don't know how to follow that answer, actually. That's a quite a narrow range of things but uh, I'm not interested in colours but am I interested in people I've got to say yes to that <laughs> we're, we're pleased to hear <laughs> it yes. um, uh, so we, we do have a big question uh, for you guys we're going to discuss that th- this evening and uh, the, the question for this episode is how do we live in the freedom of the spirit in the face of anxiety and fear do you want to unpack that a little bit for us Nigel Okay, so I actually have got loads of stuff written out about that, but um, I don't feel it's the right thing to do. What I would say is, in general, one of the things Galatians talks about is legalism, and it talks about freedom in the spirit. And the thing about legalism is very often it's a structure we put in place in order to help ourselves feel secure. So when Christians live in the freedom of the spirit, that means that sometimes they just don't know what's going to happen next, and that can engender anxiety and fear. But for all of us, uh, life is hard at times. It can be uncertain, particularly if you're running businesses right now. Life can be very uncertain and that can make us fearful and anxious. And the temptation is to look for certainty in the way we live. However, our certainty as Christians doesn't rest in a bunch of laws and rules. It rests in our relationship with Jesus. It rests in our faith and it rests in the spirit. So the question is, how do we live in the freedom of the spirit and still face anxiety and fear and uncertainty and all of those things? And the reason that Rowan and John are sitting with us is that Matt, Mark and I prayed and you two are the ones who came to mind for this episode and we're really pleased you're here. So you're both involved in business. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your business so everyone else can hear about it? 
Yeah. So in in the workplace, there's so much that you're not in control of, and particularly in the last couple of years, what's going on in the economy. So at the beginning of the pandemic, for most people, the world changed significantly. And when we were all told to go home and stay at home and isolate from other households, that meant the workplace shut immediately with no notice. And in our situation, that meant six months of work was cancelled immediately. So we were then faced with a situation of not knowing if we would ever work again, not knowing if there was going to be a comeback. People didn't know what was going to happen in the pandemic, but that was certainly the reality that faced us and many other companies. You've closed without planning and you don't know if you're ever going to reopen or if you reopen, what that might look like because it might look something completely different. So that was a very big challenge to us personally as well Um, and just daily taking that back to God and it did feel like fear for the first it was a shock to many people it was a shock and it felt like fear and daily taking it back to God and talking about it and kind of handing it over to God I found we moved to a place where we could trust God that whatever the outcome was, he was holding us, he was going to look after us, and there was a future. We had no idea what the future might look like, but there was a future with God, and there would be some kind of story. Then it's back to work, get down to nuts and bolts, and follow government advice, do everything you possibly can that you can think of in your imagination to get work going again within the guidelines and all the health and safety. And I think it was a big time of just committing and saying our future is in God's hands. We literally do not know. And we talked about it with the skeleton staff at work and said it will be a miracle if we are still trading by next Easter. And we were eventually still trading by the following Easter and we said with our staff, this is a miracle. <laughs> this is a miracle. We are, uh, the company still exists yeah. and we are all employed. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like a heavy burden um, running a business because, uh, again, you don't just have your own mortgage to pay. I d- again, I, d- I don't know if you guys can relate, but for, for me specifically, that the, the fact that making sure that that business stays open that it still runs that it's profitable or break even i feel that that is my responsibility as a director of that business and uh, you mentioned earlier fear of failure nigel massive massive fear of mine fear fear of letting people down letting the staff down i think that's the number one thing that that i fear about but uh, again like like yourselves i'm very vocal about God in the workplace. I'm very vocal about miracles in, in the workplace uh, as well. Um, you mentioned the, the the pandemic. Well, you know, our, our business w- was the same. We ran out of money. We, we, we did run out of money and we, we were reliant on a loan being granted um, in order for our business to, to, to survive. And we were turned down for a loan three times. And I remember I was, I was in my, my home office um, doing database cleansing because that's all I could do um, and I, I was praying to God 
in floods of tears saying, God, you know, you've said so many times that you're holding fast to me, that you're not going to let me go to not fear. And yet we're, we're at the precipice here. You know, we're, we're, we're going, we're going under. And, and he said, what are you worried about? I've already sent help. And yet I couldn't see it. So I was in so much fear. I was gripped by it. And literally five minutes after I'd, I'd finished praying, I got a, um, a, a, an unknown number call on my mobile. Now, I don't normally answer unknown numbers, um, uh, but I decided for whatever reason, because I was at the end of my tether, I'd answer it. And the lady said, oh, hello, it's Catherine from Lloyds Bank. And I thought, oh, no, what do you want? Not a survey about how <laughs> how you've done uh, about our inquiry, inquiry recently. And she said, well, no, we've, um, we've reviewed your application and we're going to grant it. We're going to grant the loan. And I said, what? Like, you've turned us down three times. Like, wh why? And she said, oh, we just had a look at it. And, you know, we've basically changed our minds. And I said, can I just ask, how did you get my number? And she said, oh, it's the number that's on the account when we set up the bank account years ago. Because it had been my business partner that, that was, was dealing with, with that side of things. And um, uh, I said, oh, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. And um, I, I put the phone down. And once again, I found myself on the floor in my home office in floods of tears saying, God, you're amazing. Like, I couldn't see it. I wasn't in control. Um, uh, I, I wanted it to be a certain way. It wasn't happening that way. And even when I was right at the precipice, you were still there saying, have faith, have mm. faith. And, and since then, I, found, I have found myself in business to be a lot less fearful. I sometimes think that God does it on purpose just to say, you know, are you still on board, Matt? Are you are you really still on board? So is that the first challenge you guys have faced as business owners to uh, face the pandemic? Because, I mean, that's quite a recent example. Well, there was a recession in, there was a credit crisis in 2008 with the banking, which led to a recession through 2009, 2010. And there was a recession in 1993-94. So we've been trading through all those times. When I thought about what are the things that we as people are often fearful of, things like losing your home, losing your job, going bankrupt, ending up in debt that you know you'll never be able to manage. These are big fears. And when these uh, national situations happen, or even international with Brexit influence, you can be faced with potential scenarios like that. So John, earlier on you said you're a people person, but do you feel a sense of responsibility for the people you employ? I think the most, going back to the, the, the initial fear question, I think the moment of fear you might say is the Christmas dinner when you stroll in and there's like 30, 35 people sitting there and you're providing for all these people, this is their families that you're providing with providing for and um i find that sort of this, this is a bit worrying this is you know can we go home now <laughs> <laughs> i think there are those moments when it when it's when you don't see them all together it, it sounds a bit odd but you know i don't see it in quite the same sort of way and i think you do become a bit accustomed to that but when things start to go wrong like the recession rolls up and the phone doesn't ring and there's kind of one job in front of us and then what are we going to do after that? That is uh, moments where, when you realise there's kind of responsibility that you've put yourself into. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm joking about the Christmas bit, but it is. I do find a little twinge when you see all those people there sat together and you think, oh, you know, this is, this is they're all looking to us to provide for them and it's, yeah, you've got to keep it going. It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because they're looking to you to provide and yet actually <laughs> you're looking to somebody else to, to really provide. Yeah, I think there, there, there there's moments as, as, as I, I mean, I go out and price all the jobs and look at everything and um, there are those moments when you go and look at things and you think, well, God, what, what, why are we here? What's this one? Is this... Is this our sort of thing? Is it something we ought to walk away from? And, and what is this person like that I've just met? And uh, are they actually going to pay? And there are those, mo- it sounds, you're looking at a house that's subsiding or something like that. And at the same time, you, you, there's that sort of conversations taking place with God as to, you know, where are we going with this? What is it? Is, it, is this the right situation? Isn't it the right situation? And sometimes you're just taken up with building rather than, praying do you often find um and again uh, i'm speaking from my own experience do you often find that that actually it is those difficult times that draws you nearer to god i think my response to that is that i find it disappointing that you talk to god more when it's a problem than when it's all going you know swimmingly wonderful and uh, you wish you would be a bit more thankful when that big check turns up or whatever it is Mm. (coughs) i think um yeah, I, it does disappoint me as an individual that you do pray a bit harder when times are hard. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to get better at it. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I do. Uh, yeah. It, but, yeah. But, then, but often we only pray when times are hard. Do you pray when times are easier at all? Or is it only when it looks like, you know, you're going to lose something? I'm asking that to Matt too, really. I, this sounds a bit odd, but I tend to do it in the car driving about as to, um, I don't know where I'm going. Not in a, is this the right job? Not as blatant as that, but as the situation, you talk to God about it and, you know, uh, I think you feel concerned because the devil's very good at throwing this sort of arrows at you. You you know, you're not quite good enough for this. And I think talking to God as those things roll up is, to me, is a, a strength you know, a, a resource of... A, I don't react in the same way you do, Matt, about it, but I do... Uh, going back to the recession thing, it, it, as to when we all went home and had nothing to do in the morning, it was kind of a bit sort of, oh, I'm sure about this. It's just sort of, oh, God, what's happening now? And I think at those moments also, as an individual, I find that there's all sorts of things go through your mind which, which are not at all helpful, and you have to just commit it all to God and say, you know, can I leave this with you sort of thing and walk away from it but uh, my feeling I think at that moment when we all went home and then didn't have anything to do is well God you got this far so I'm not sure what we're going to do now but I'm sure you got something else in mind and there's a few other people in the same boat as well so it's not easy but yeah for me it's I walk to work and I can be quite anxious at the start of the day the thought of all the things that could potentially go wrong I'm quite good at seeing all the things that could potentially go wrong um, on my walk to work, um, I often talk to God. Actually, I often sing, and I find that it's as if God pops a certain song into my mind, and I sing that to myself as I go along, and actually listening to the words and the truth of it counteracts the um, really unhelpful thoughts that I've had at the start of the day, which do come from a place of anxiety. And words of the songs about God 
um, reminds me that God, God loves me, that God is faithful, that God is with me. Primarily, I think it reminds me that God is with me. And by the time I get to my workplace, that's the place I'm in. And through the day, off and on, not consciously, but I do chat to God from time to time and not just at work, but wherever I go. But sometimes I'll just, it's like chatting to someone you know. You don't need to have a whole structured conversation with a beginning, a middle and an end. You just sort of say, oh, what about that? It's snippets of conversation with God and being, sometimes that makes, God can make you more aware of things around you that he just wants you to notice. Again, you talk about walking to work. Whenever I walk to the station, whenever I walk over the bridge across the railway, I'm reminded of a, of a time just after we were allowed to go back to the office in the middle of the pandemic. God gave me a picture um, as I was walking to work of him laying me down on my desk at work cutting me open and removing three stones from my stomach and he washed the stones off and one said debt one said doubt and one said defeat and it, i saw him in his hands literally take these stones and crush them i'm like what why is it god that you that you've revealed it here like on on this bridge and it's because I have to cross that bridge. I don't have a choice to get to work. I have to cross that bridge. And it's like he put an altar of truth there to say, actually, you know what, Matt? I am truth. I, I have got you. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. It doesn't matter what your circumstances say. It doesn't even really matter what you say, Matt, <laughs> because I'm going to have the last word in this. Mm. And I, I find it so, so helpful being able to rely on what God has said to me personally, because actually when I then get on the train, that's when I open up my Bible and start to read his word. But it's mm. before I've even begun to open his word, the stuff that he's already said to me and spoken into my life, it just gives you that, that faith that actually the enemy ain't going to have their way. And mm. the lies that he's speaking over to try and create that fear is just not going to have any power in me. I'm going to twist things slightly because that's the way I like to think about things is most of my anxiety in work because of the work I do isn't mine. I deal with other people's anxieties and fear all the time. So one of the things I do uh, in order to earn a living is I'm a funeral celebrant and I meet families in crisis all the time. And during the pandemic, I wasn't sitting still. I was out and about all the time. There was a little bit of anxiety about catching stuff. But until you've done a funeral for a family that's only allowed six people to go and say goodbye, um, it's really a challenge. Do you find that other people's anxiety and fear, first of all, do you feel that in what you do? And how does that affect your sense of freedom in the spirit and your sense of well-being? So I probably am quite a sensitive person and I do pick up on, I like to think I pick up on what other people are experiencing and feeling. And I've God has been teaching me more recently how to really stand close with him and not take on board other people's anxieties and distress but to give that to God so that I can share Jesus's love with people and pass that to them in their place of need, not Rowan trying to meet their needs, but trying to bring Jesus into the situation because Jesus is with me, letting 
Jesus be the one that meets with them and I'm just there as part of that. I am a problem solver by character. I like to prevent troubles. So if you're giving me a messy situation, give me 10 minutes and I'll have sorted it out. I want a job. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it's although I love God and I love people and God wants to bless people through me, he's not asking me to solve other people's problems and fix other people and carry their load. So I cry with other people, I laugh with other people, but it's very early on in my Christian life, I prayed the words of a song make me a channel of your peace and that is really what I've wanted my whole life that Jesus would just use me as an empty channel to support other people and for them to receive what Jesus has to give but just channeled through me so I've had to learn how to not be the fix try and be the fixer and wear myself out and burn out completely but to just be the conduit for Jesus to meet with people and carry their burdens for them. So what do you believe are the best weapons that you have to face anxiety and fear? You just mentioned being a channel of peace. What else? I've become more bold in asking the Holy Spirit to step into situations, into small moments and into big situations. I also, through the family, I've sat with people in their last minutes of life and the people, family members I'm thinking of were Christians and had a faith, but that doesn't make it a hop, skip and a jump into heaven. Mm. Uh, and being in, again, being in situations that you don't know how to handle and just asking God. And amazingly, he, he inspires you. He just gives you an idea in your mind or something like that. Something pops up and inspires you. And I found if I follow with that, then God is there and God quite obviously meets with people. And it was um, a wonderful, you know, such a privilege to be able to channel God's presence for my mother who just, God, I could see God speak to her. She grabbed hold of that. She said, yes. And then she was ready to go into heaven and others in different ways. So the quietness of needing to sit quietly with people who are sorrowful for whatever reason and that maybe sometimes asking God to just when God you're asking God what to do in a situation sometimes it's just sit and say nothing but what about in the everyday I mean you said in passing John you said about praying in the car and you said about walking to work and singing and those things those everyday moments where anxiety fear the normal things they creep in don't they you said mm -hmm. the enemy throws darts at you and for me that die as well you haven't said that right they're not going to like that how do, what are those things that you do regularly that help you are allowed to be obvious as well as subtle <laughs> i think for me it's a matter of you get as you said the, the dart one it's a matter of praising god at that point it, to me is is the answer to it there have been times when i thought but i thought that was part of my personality i thought i had to live with that all my life and god just said no you don't just lay it down at the foot of the cross and i've done that in my mind and i found that an unhelpful trait in my personality has been taken away by Jesus and instead he's given me an exchange and given me something positive to replace it with. So that is the most wonderful thing. It's something I've struggled with for years has gone and I learned from that 
oh, God can do that. These things that trip you up, like John was saying, these unhelpful thoughts, God can do that. So if he's done it once, he can do it again. And sometimes he'll show me something else and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to keep tripping up over that thought. So I put it at the foot of the cross and he reminds me, which is for me a really important truth to hold on to, that he loves me. He knows exactly who I am. I wasn't a mistake when I was made. He loves me as I am and he wants to take me into a place of a fuller personality with all the unhelpful bits disappearing, which is includes things like anxiety and fear and fear of being lonely and fear of not being good enough and so on. He wants to take all that away and replace it with the knowledge that I am the daughter of the King of Kings. Amen, absolutely. I, I think it's, that does bring up an interesting point, which is that um, often to deal with fear and anxiety, to deal with our insecurities and our uncertainties, it involves a process of getting to know ourselves and getting to know ourselves in God's sight. Um, but that can be in itself a really uncomfortable time. I'm always fascinated by people who pray for more of God's patience or more of God's um, security or more of anything because that basically means, Lord, please put me through the tumble dryer again because I need to learn that because the only way to learn stuff is to go through it. Yeah. Have you found that? And this is again for Matt too, because I'm aware that we're all going through this stuff. Have you found it to be helpful to get to know yourself? Is it something you're going through the process of? Is it something that was difficult? What do you think? I'll start with that one then. <laughs> so again, going going through the the process, my, my, the the devil uses the same tactic with me every time. The first thing that he does is he at he attacks my business and says your business is going to fail it, that's what he does that, that's what goes through my mind whenever we have a bad week uh, he, he says your business is going to fail and it's my choice whether or not i believe him because what happens is i <laughs> i go i the the thing that gets me the thing that winds me up is uh, i i used to go through a process of going right okay well my business is going to fail if my business fails that means that um we're going to have no money coming out at home that means that we're going to lose our house that means that we're going to have to move out. That means that my wife's going to leave me, that she's going to take my children. That means, Matt, that you are going to be alone and you're going to have no one. And I had to get to a point where um, I was comfortable with that because all of that stuff could happen. It, 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 you know, it could happen apart from one thing. I'm not going to be alone. And God had to has, has spent years and years and years working on that uh, that bit that actually I'm not I'm never going to be alone. I am never going to be far away from the love of God. Again, he, he gives me pictures time and time again. He says it in his word time and time again. I, was, I, I prayed this through with you, Rowan, um, <laughs> a few months ago. I shared that, that God had given me a picture of me and him sitting in a boat. And um, and on God's knuckles was tattooed the words hold fast. And I thought it meant that I had to hold fast to God. And he once again <laughs> says what he always says. It always starts with no, Matt. No, Matt. It's not that you have to hold fast to me. It's that you have to realize that I am holding fast to you. 
And it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say or what you don't do. I'm never letting go of you. And actually, when I suddenly realized that that's who God was and who I am in God, that the rest of the stuff just fell away. And it didn't matter that the devil said, you've had a bad week this week because I wasn't jumping to, well, you're going to be alone forever. Because God was, is, and forever will hold fast to me. That's the battle that I've gone through with it. Um, And I'm so thankful, actually, for all these tough times where God has proved himself time and time again to be faithful. I forgot what the question was again, Nigel. Can you go again? <laughs> I think I've forgotten what it was as well, if I'm honest. I've forgotten what the question was, but the part of the, the the truth is that God is faithful. And more recently, I've you know I've heard it said and really taken it on board. God loves me on my worst days, and I like when I'm with my friends. I'm generally fairly nice, and I enjoy being with them, and I I hope they enjoy being with me. But God is with me on my worst God loves me as much on my worst days he cares about me and he is there for me on my worst days and that is not just for me that is his pattern of relationship and that's what he offers to other people too so for the people I love care about have met once walked past in the street that is the truth yeah, I think it's that that total undying truth that that you know that, that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for me and for all the you know the rest of rest of us, and that that is something which the devil tries to tear away from you in, in the doubtful moments, and you just gotta hang on to that. That you know he loves each one of us, and and that is the I think to me is the sort of uh, when you're getting really concerned about all the things that you outlined, Matt. It's just yeah. He died for me. He's that much of a friend. And um, we just got to hang on to that in those difficult moments. I find another helpful, helpful thing is gratitude. You did actually touch on it earlier, John. Gratitude. If I start my day thanking God for the fact that I woke up in the morning, I know that that, <laughs> that actually things start to build. I start mm-hmm. to thank God that I woke up in a house with a roof, that there's some running water, that there's food for my family and actually when when you do start to count your blessings and thank god for all those blessings the worries that will try to intrude don't seem to have as much power i in response to that i think that brought me back to a picture which apparently isn't which isn't particularly spiritual but i can remember when the sort of uh sitting in the back garden as the pandemic kicked off and we were drinking coffee and the sun was shining and it was on one hand oh dear i haven't got anything to do and on the other hand, it was, well, I've got a house, I've got running water, I've got everybody around me, why am I concerned? There's people out there who've got nothing to eat. I'm fine, I've got a house, I've got stuff to eat, it's fine. Uh, and it kind of, I think God is, has been so fantastic, generous to us, and we, we fail to, I personally think, fail to acknowledge that, that I've actually got everything that I want. Why do I want anything else? The very basic thing about Jesus dying on the cross for us and rising again and giving us that option of life. And we're sitting there worried about what we're going to do tomorrow. Uh, I found that quite an interesting contrast, drinking my coffee in the sunshine. I mean, we'll add nothing to... So that was that, some of this, just a picture of what went, went through my mind at the time. But. I was, when I was just thinking about coming to chat with Matt and Nigel, 
I remembered when I was baptized as a young person, um, the words of a song that were sung at the time was about how I, how I came to God. And they were, just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without, O Lamb of God, I come. And that those words were sung at the moment I was baptized. And I think that is very true of the struggle that goes on inside me all the time. And that you bring that struggle to Jesus. And he says, you are precious in my eyes and I love you. And I think that kind of it does help us kind of close it up because we do have to tie this thing up. I think one of the things that's through what both of you are saying, all three of you are saying, one of the things that's really important, it seems to me, is that what anxiety and fear do is they steal our joy. Neither anxiety nor fear are fruit of the Spirit, but joy and peace and all of those things are fruit of the Spirit. And I think it's really important to hold on to positive things, to hold on to your faith, to hold on to who God says you are. And I think it's really important that we hold on to, always hold on to, no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, our joy, our peace, our faith is in God, not in the circumstances we're in. And who we are is more important than what we're going through. And, you know, just over both of you, actually, just to speak in God's name, blessing over your business and blessing over your family and blessing over your guests. And just thank you so much for coming and thank you so much for being here. Matt. Cheers, guys. Thanks ever so much. In the next episode of the Playmakers podcast, we're going to look at the simple yet profound question, how do we remember the poor? We look forward to seeing you then.